0: Corned beef sandwiches and orange squash on the lawn. Wasn't Olivia the afterthought, Sylvia said to no one in particular, and Rosemary frowned at her eldest daughter as if she'd just noticed her for the first time. Sylvia, thirteen, and until recently an enthusiastic child, many people would have said over-enthusiastic, promised to be a mordant cynic in her teenage years. Gorky bespectacled Sylvia. Her teeth, recently caged in ugly orthodontic braces, had greasy hair, a hooting laugh, and the long thin fingers and toes of a creature from outer space. Well-meaning people called her an ugly duckling, said to her face, as if it was a compliment, which was certainly not how it was taken by Sylvia, imagining a future Sylvia casting off her braces, acquiring contact lenses and a bosom, and blossoming into a swan. Rosemary did not see the swan in Sylvia, especially when she had a shred of corned beef stuck in her braces. Sylvia had recently developed an unhealthy obsession with religion, claiming that God had spoken to her. Rosemary wondered if it was a normal phase that adolescent girls went through, if God was merely an alternative to pop stars or ponies. Rosemary decided it was best to ignore Sylvia's tete-a-tetes with the Almighty— And at least conversations with God were free, whereas the upkeep on a pony would have cost a fortune. And the peculiar fainting fits that their GP said were on account of Sylvia outgrowing her strength. A medically dubious explanation, if ever there was one, in Rosemary's opinion. Rosemary decided to ignore the fainting fits as well. They were probably just Sylvia's way of getting attention. Rosemary married their father, Victor, when she was eighteen years old, only five years older than Sylvia was now. The idea that Sylvia might be grown up enough in five years' time to marry anyone struck Rosemary as ridiculous, and reinforced her belief that her own parents should have stepped in and stopped her marrying Victor, should have pointed out that she was a mere child and he was a thirty six year old man. She often found herself wanting to remonstrate with her mother and father about their lack of parental care. But her mother had succumbed to stomach cancer not long after Amelia was born, and her father had remarried and moved to Ipswich, where he spent most of his days in the bookies and all of his evenings in the pub. If, in five years' time, Sylvia brought home a thirty-six-year-old cradle-snatching fiancé, particularly if he claimed to be a great mathematician, then Rosemary thought she would probably cut his heart out with the carving knife. This thought was so agreeable that the afterthought's enunciation was temporarily forgotten, and Rosemary allowed them all to run out to the ice-cream van when it declared its own melodic arrival in the street. The sylvia Amelia, julia trio knew that there was no such thing as an afterthought, and the fetus, as Sylvia insisted on calling it, she was keen on science subjects, that was making their mother so irritable and lethargic, was probably their father's last-ditch attempt to acquire a son. He was not a father who doted on daughters. He showed no real fondness for any of them, only Sylvia occasionally winning his respect because she was good at maths. Victor was a mathematician and lived a rarefied life of the mind where his family were allowed no trespass. This was made easy by the fact that he spent hardly any time with them. He was either in the department or in his rooms in college and when he was home he shut himself in his study, occasionally with his students, but usually on his own. Their father had never taken them to the open-air pool on Jesus Green, played rousing games of snap or donkey, never tossed them in the air and caught them or pushed them on a swing, had never taken them punting on the river or walking on the fens or on educational trips to the Fitzwilliam. More like an absence than a presence. Everything he was and was not was represented by the sacrosanct space of his study. They would have been surprised to know that the study had once been a bright parlour, with a view of the back garden, a room where previous occupants of the house had enjoyed pleasant breakfasts, where women had whiled away the afternoons with sewing and romantic novels, and where in the evenings the family had gathered to play cribbage or scrabble while listening to a radio play. All of these activities had been envisaged by a newly married Rosemary when the house was first bought, in 1956 at a price way beyond their budget. But Victor immediately claimed the room as his own, and somehow managed to transform it into a sunless place.